Charter and Disney settled their dispute and we discussed the outcome. Also this week, Alluvio's streaming platform, Gracenote, for fast discoverability and Hulu's ownership puzzle. Listen on to learn more. this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon at the top there. Hey, Colin, how is everything going? It's great. Uh, I am counting down the hours now for my flight uh, to Amsterdam for IBC, which starts on Friday. And I've been trying to take it easy this week, the beginning of this week, because I am working the whole weekend. I have Oh my gosh, I think I'm meeting with like 30 or, or more companies while I'm there, Will. Uh, should be pretty hectic, but maybe I'll touch on a couple of the things that I'm really look, looking forward to seeing while I'm there at the conference. Definitely. Well, we're looking forward to that and certainly looking forward to hearing more about how your uh, trip to IBC goes. Um, so we, as you mentioned earlier, we have an Around the Horn this week. We have a number of different topics, things that caught our interest. We're starting off with, of course, the uh, news picking up on last week's podcast about the charter in Disney. We're in a um, dispute, obviously, as we all know, a carriage dispute that got resolved. So um, you and I were talking about the prospects of that last week. I was, I think, maybe a little bit more optimistic than you were that um, they were going to be able to come to terms. We've seen this story so many times before. There were some other wrinkles uh, this time around this negotiation, but uh, the parties indeed did come to a settlement. And uh, it's a little bit unclear. I think we're going to agree that it's a little bit unclear exactly if there's such a definition of who won in this negotiation. But um, some of the terms that have been disclosed show that it looks like each side got some of what they were looking for. So just to Recap quickly here. Um, Charter was looking for flexibility to be able to incorporate Disney's D2C uh, services inside some of its um, TV tiers, traditional TV tiers. And it looks like uh, it's going to be able to do that with the ad supported Disney Plus tier and also with ESPN Plus. Um, so those will be available to Spectrum TV Select Plus subscribers. Uh, and there also seems to be a commitment that when ESPN eventually launches a more robust DTC service, that that will be available to uh, certain Spectrum TV subscribers as well. Uh, so that seems to be helpful to Charter. and also seems to be helpful to Disney to the extent that they're trying to get more uh, distribution of their ad-supported tiers. Um, they've been very candid about that, and this looks like that will uh, enable them to do so. Um, Charter was looking for more flexibility on bundling of video packages at different price points and also uh, trying to maybe get more flexibility with ESPN itself. Not clear exactly what the ESPN flexibility is, but they did get the uh, ability to no longer have to include certain smaller uh, Disney networks like Baby TV, Disney Junior, Disney HD, Freeform, etc. So those are now um, at Spectrum's discretion whether they want to include those or not. And they also are going to be helping to promote to their broadband only subscribers. 
Disney Plus, Hulu, and ESPN Plus, as well as the Disney Plus bundle. So that's good. For its part, Disney, their CEO said, you know, the main thing they were looking for, I think, was to be able to preserve their revenue stream and possibly increase their rates that they were charging. And Disney Plus's CEO uh, seemed to be optimistic or um, seems to be bullish on what they accomplished there. His quote was that uh, they said that they had, Disney had been able to secure commitments that were very strong in terms of rates and minimum penetration. So who knows what that is, but uh, that was the Disney report at least. So what's your take? So there's been lots of debate about this in the press world about who won, did Disney win, did Charter win? In my mind, the very fact that there is even any debate over this shows that this was like no other deal that Disney has ever had to do. And basically, the company has been in the driver's seat in negotiations with pay TV operators for the you know, 10, 20 years. ESPN has been the one channel that no operator felt that they could not have in their lineup. And that has allowed Disney to basically shovel into that deal a whole bunch of other channels that ordinarily the pay TV operators probably wouldn't be interesting, interested in. And remember, it's getting a few cents per sub for each of those each of those channels. So, uh, you know, in, in my mind that the fact that Charter was able to throw out of the deal a whole bunch of the smaller channels, eight, eight of the smaller channels, that's a clear sign that Disney has lost power in these negotiations. Uh, so I, I think that's really interesting. The, the other interesting thing here is I do think that carriage of Disney Plus in, in Spectrum TV Select Package is a, probably a good deal for both. I doubt that Disney is getting a nickel attributable to a subscription to Disney Plus from Charter for that, but I bet that you get to keep all the ad revenue. So as we know, the Disney's very bullish on the ad revenue that it's receiving from Disney Plus. And so if it can get a whole bunch of charter subscribers using it, that's a lot more eyeballs and a lot more ad revenue coming their way. So I think that's probably a win uh, for both of them. And incidentally, I do think that this is probably going to end up being a template for other deals that Disney does with other operators like Comcast and DirecTV. And there, there are a couple of reasons for that. One is very often in deals like this, you get non you get most favored nation clauses, which say basically, you know, if you give a better deal to somebody else, I automatically get that deal. I know I've done plenty of deals that required the inclusion of most favored nation, nation clauses. So I suspect that companies like DirecTV and Comcast do have them. Even if they don't, they're going to come to the table and probably want the same deal as Charter's got. I mean, it's a clear tangible benefit to their consumers to bring them Disney Plus for free as well, ostensibly for free, but as part of their cable subscription. So, uh, you know, net net of this for me, Will, is that this really does signify that we've 
finally crossed a barrier here and that instead of programmers continually demanding increases in uh, subscription fees and receiving them but basically giving nothing else it's now a real negotiation and now folks like Disney have skin in the game and recognize that they want to preserve this revenue that they're getting from pay television for as long as possible so they have to do something and give something and uh, they're giving they're finally starting to give so it's really interesting uh, that that uh, that's what's happened yeah it'll be uh, as you said be it'll be um, intriguing to see how uh, much of a template this deal becomes for future negotiations for Disney and um, you know certainly is a uh, as you say an indicator of how important the streaming piece of Disney has become both for operators and for Disney. Um, it's a different world. It, it certainly is. And the thing that the thing that surprises me is Disney is still managing to squeeze out increases in the amount people are paying them for ESPN. Even as ESPN viewership drops, it's it's quite remarkable that they're able to do that. But apparently operators still feel the the property the sports properties that ESPN have are so essential that they need to keep it in the bundle. So you know uh, Monday Night Football, for example, I think that's one thing that ESPN has. They you know they recognise that that's something that they just gotta have for if if they're gonna retain their subscribers. Charter incidentally seemed to they seem to be pretty happy. They said they got everything they wanted and they also were pretty happy because they had far fewer people cancel service than they were expecting. So, you know, they're certainly they certainly seem to be walking away happy with this. That's what they say, exactly. Uh, yep. Okay, well we uh, we want to do a few other items this week and um, as you mentioned at the beginning you're heading to IBC, and one of the companies you're uh, looking forward to meeting is Alluvio. So why don't you go ahead and talk a little about that? Yeah, this is this is a really um, interesting will. So I, I sat down and I actually wrote a piece yesterday, which was just thinking through. I've, I've, a ton of press releases have been passing passing across my desk, and some I read and some I don't. Um, but I I read the Alluvio one because. If, if you if you don't know who Alluvio is, I really suggest that you spend some time looking into them. They've been doing some really interesting things. They've established a blockchain-based streaming platform. Uh, and it, it, it's really an alternative to the traditional CDN or, or cloud-based delivery mechanisms. And they've been sort of getting their feet where it will in the in the business by helping companies like Warner Brothers recreate um, the full disc experience. So there's bonus features and and fancy interfaces and, and everything in a Web3 environment. But they've done it in uh, for Warner Brothers with some of their classic movies like the original Superman movie, the first the, the first Lord of the Rings movie. They're going to do the rest. These are available to buy through the Alluvio fabric. They're available to buy in exclusive editions. So they're pretty pretty expensive. I think one was the top one was $100 and the other one was $30. And for that, you get a whole bunch of features, the original cut of the movie, etc., etc. 
but the critically here is you retain the right to resell it. And because it's on the blockchain, they can track absolutely who owns this. So if you sell it to somebody and th then ownership of that particular digital um, entity transfers to that person and you absolutely no longer have access to it. So all of the, all of that stuff goes away. So anyway, that I thought was really interesting because it's it brought collectability to the market and it, and it as I said recreated the the full DVD experience. But Alluvio has really expanded the breadth of offerings that it can carry now on its fabric. So they say they can support live streaming, fasts, PVOD and full content experiences, interactive content experiences. And it says that their full feature media stack allows content providers to publish, store and deliver content at scale including personalization of ads, access control, content protection, and proof of engagement so that you can count the ads, you know, pr prove that people have watched it. And uh, they're doing all that by saying that they are 10 times cheaper than traditional CDNs or media cloud delivery. And they're able to deliver a latency of just two seconds and that's at a global scale. So listen, this is very disruptive and I am really excited for this. One of the things that Alluvio, uh, you know, they're, they're based on the blockchain. One of the things that they are really set out to do is to sort of clear out all of the, all of the stuff that sits between the content provider and the consumer of that content. And so if they're bringing this same approach to the delivery of fasts and live and PVOD, this is very disruptive to the current industry. And uh, I, I'm really excited to see if they can do that. Um, there's one other thing that they're also delivering here, which I can't wait to talk to them about, which is they're bringing a, a, a media wallet along with this, which allows you to discover, stream, own, and enjoy content directly from publishers. So really, this the, the whole thing here is that this connects a producer of content directly with the content provider without anybody acting as a gatekeeper or, or, or any of that. And boy, there are a lot of companies that want to act as gatekeepers and exact their fee for doing so. So I'm very, very excited about this. Um, I'm going to be talking to Michelle Munson, Munson who's Alluvio's co-founder and CEO at the conference. I've spoken to her a couple of times before and uh, I can't wait to see it, Will. Yeah, I'm looking forward to hearing more about it based on your experience. Um, you know, they're talking to Michelle. I feel like I need to kind of get my head around this a little bit more. Um, again, content ownership has been... Uh, and the decline, as we know, it's been more about subscription-based services. So this um, seems like it might uh, offer an opportunity, as you say, to get back into collectability um, and being on the blockchain, the idea that uh, buyers could be able to exchange ownership, potentially, yeah. of these titles. 
Yeah, and that's that's what initially that's what got me really excited when when they started doing this with Warner Brothers, because what you know one of the things that we talked about is SVOD providers are sort of going off the idea of putting everything in their library for their SVOD subscribers, and they're now starting to take it out, so you don't have the security of believing that that content's going to be there forever. So there's something you really love. You, you you know the safest way to make sure you've always got access to it is to buy it and this is what alluvio allows you to do maintain the same ownership rights that you had if you had bought it on physical media but in a much more convenient digital package so very exciting and i'll tell you what will i'm going to ask michelle if she'll come on the podcast and talk about it because i know our i know you and our listeners would probably really enjoy yeah. hearing from it that would be cool okay good um well thanks for that uh, update Colin. We'll look forward to hearing more about that. Um, just one other item going into uh, IBC that hit both of our radars was um, Grace Note had a new announcement this week, um, which intrigued us. They uh, have um, uh, released a program to help streamline fast channel uh, content um, distribution. And uh, that is being done through their uh, methodology for um, assigning metadata and content IDs. And Grace Note's belief is that um, with better metadata and data enrichment, that uh, fast services will become more appealing to distributors of fast services. And they'll be able to get those uh, out there distributed faster and more widely, which will obviously contribute to viewership and to monetization. So um, Grace Note is a big player already in uh, metadata and content IDs. And um, this looks like an effort to now expand this into uh, FAST. Yeah, and I'm, again, another thing that I'm really looking forward to seeing, I am, I'll, I'll be talking with them at the show as well. And as you say, you know, this, this really should help with the discoverability of fast channels. I've, one of the things that I've been very critical about is the fast guides or the, the, the live guides in, uh, in TVOSs that we're seeing today. And in fact, we had Google TV come on to talk about that a couple of, uh, well, I, I guess it was a couple of months ago now. Um, and, and this could really help, Will, because step one in fixing that is great metadata. And so if you can use GraceNote to enhance the metadata of the assets that are going into your channels, that means you can build better, more searchable metadata. Uh, and if you can feed that to the, the service providers, then that, that you know, is just a really great thing. That means voice search can now more easily find stuff and, and regular tech certs can also do it. There was one other piece there that they're going to do, Will, is they're going to allocate a Gracenote ID to each of the assets. Now, Gracenote ID is not a universal standard, but some providers do use it to index the content that they have in their services. So for those that do, having the Gracenote ID already allocated to that asset does make it easier for them to ingest and then search and, and leverage that metadata. So that all smooths out the delivery of, of fast channels into those providers. And, and in fact, that's I, I guess I kind of think about this as like preconditioning of the content in fast channels for, the, for their distribution. 
so it's it's an interesting service, and I, hopefully I'll have more information about it when I speak to them at IBC. Yep, and we'll look forward to that as well. And uh, that brings us up to our last item this week, which actually was uh, from the prior week, but we had not had a chance to discuss it yet, uh, which is, of course, Comcast and Disney uh, wrangling over the value of Hulu and what to do about it. Yeah, so so where are we at, Will? Well, what's going on? I I've, I've saw the news flying by, but uh, I didn't really pay much attention to it. What, where are they at with their negotiations? Well, I think what they've agreed to do is accelerate them somewhat. Um, the idea being that uh, they have to have a third party come in and appraise the value of Hulu. They previously agreed that it will be no less than $27.5 billion and Comcast uh, would have the right to sell its 33% stake in Hulu at a, um, at that, uh, for a share of that uh, valuation. Um, that wasn't supposed to happen. That process wasn't supposed to happen, uh, start happening until January. They agreed to move things up by several months to uh, September 30th. So the process is gonna start and um, you know, just reviewing some of the quotes uh, from Comcast, um, it sounds like they had basically agreed with uh, Disney that um, everything is on the table and um, they're both looking as to kind of get resolution on this as uh, soon as possible. So that's why they move things up and, you know, no, there's been no other real substance uh, commenting on the negotiation at all. but. Uh, it looks like they're both trying to accelerate a, uh, a resolution. Yeah. But one of the things that we didn't mention, actually, in the Charter Disney resolution was the fact that Hulu was not included in the Charter deal. So Charter doesn't have the right to include Hulu, Hulu at any level with its far, with its um, Spectrum TV service. And I guess that's that's kind of not a surprise because the content in Hulu originates from a bunch of different places it's not just disney content so disney doesn't have quite so much control over that so it may not even have the right to license hulu in that way but anyway well this is this is pretty interesting will because i remember there was a lot of speculation maybe a year ago that disney may decide to sell hulu and you know sell it to and and, and actually comcast expressed interest in buying hulu uh, but I never thought it was a really, really a realistic option for Disney to do that, uh, primarily because outside of the US, they have this thing called Star, which is sort of the more adult part of Disney Plus. And they really don't have that here in the US. They have Hulu. So that's their more adult brand that they have been investing in. And so I never really thought that that was an option for them to sell. And it really doesn't sound like they're going to. It really sounds like they're going to keep hold of Hulu going forward. The impact on Hulu of the removal of NBC first run content, I, it's, it's really hard to tell. I certainly haven't. I don't know if you've noticed a big drop off in Hulu subscribers. I haven't. It's still hovering at about where it's been for, oh, goodness, a uh, quite a while it's hovering at about 44 million subscribers here in the u.s and it's been sort of around that i think it ticked up a little bit uh last quarter and it's only four percent up on the year but i gotta tell you i do think that 
they're going to have problems because Disney has made it very clear that they're cutting back on the amount of content that, that they're producing on DDC. Uh, and, you know, Hulu's going to suffer for that because it's just lost NBCU first run content and it will probably lose a bunch more NBCU content when the deal finally ends. And they'll also be seeing less content from Disney. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of expecting Hulu to see a bit of a decline in, in 2024. I, I know from my perspective, personally, I've downgraded Hulu's position in my list of apps because I'm just not going in there as much as I used to. I'm, I'm spending time in other apps like Netflix and Paramount Plus and, and Apple TV Plus, interestingly. We've been watching a lot on Apple TV Plus just recently. So they've been downgraded, pushed down a couple of rows. Yeah in uh, in in the interface so anyway uh be interesting to see where they do end up with the valuation of hulu i'm wondering if it's at its peak i don't know maybe yeah. maybe comcast is buying high or, or disney is selling high in this case well we'll find out we'll find out lots more coming on that story in 2024 for sure uh, i think that's all we have for this week colin you are getting ready to run for your plane for IBC, so safe travels to you. Looking forward to hearing uh, all of the exciting news that you bring back next week. Thanks very much. And yeah, maybe uh, in next week's podcast, which I, I will be in the UK when we record that, but maybe I'll have lots more feedback on some of the things I saw at IBC 2023 this weekend. Okay, Colin, safe travels, and thanks everybody for listening in. Inside the Stream is a production of in-screen media and video news, all rights reserved.